Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have on actor and stuntman, Anthony Molinari. Yeah, you don't want to miss this one because Anthony is a fun guy. He's a great guy to chat with. And we take a deep dive into the craft of acting and stunt work. And it's just a lot of fun. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. And I want to start the show tonight by giving a shout out to Jamie Brooks at Lane 38 Publicity for connecting us with today's guest. And that guest is stuntman and actor Anthony Molinari. While breaking into the stunt industry, Anthony discovered a love for acting. And since then, he has played opposite Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale in The Fighter. He was in Christopher Nolan's Tenant. He was in Black Mass with Jesse Plemons and Johnny Depp. In fact, Anthony has performed in over 200 different TV shows and feature films. Uh, so it's safe to say he's a very busy fellow. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, brother. I appreciate being here. So, Anthony, I'm always curious with our guests how they got uh, interested in in the field they're in, and in your case, an actor and a stuntman. What inspired you to do that? And, and were you interested in that kind of thing as a kid, or did that passion hit you later in life? Oh, definitely later in life. I, I I was, I think as a kid, it was always about football. I always found myself being a professional football player just so like financially we could, I could support the family. But then I think it was about 18, 19, I discovered the love for teaching at, at my college when I was running this program. Me and this girl started this program called Bears and Cubs at Bowdoin College. It was just a it was just once a week, every Sunday, we took the kids that were on the waiting list for the Big Brother, Big Sister program, and we'd give them like two or three hours of like activities with uh, some of the other students at the college, match them up. And uh, it was at, during that process when I realized, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a school teacher. That's what I'm going to do. So I pursued that for like, oh, eight or nine years. And what did you teach? I gravitated immediately to the preschoolers and the, and the kindergartners. It was just, it was a, it was a space that I felt really connected to uh, where I can make a big impact and just enjoy I, I felt like I just enjoyed the communication the curriculum the mentality I was really good with special ed kids and so I started pursuing special ed and that's what I finished doing that actually ironically I ended up doing fourth grade instead of preschool the last year that I taught at um, yeah at Roosevelt Elementary well, in your bio on IMDB it says that uh, you were working as a teacher when you were inspired by one of your students. Uh, to follow your passion of becoming a stuntman. Um, tell us about that. And I'm curious if you're still in touch with that student today, since they were an inspiration. Um, tell us that story. Yeah. Uh, so like I was mentioning, like the last year, uh, I went back home to Worcester after like traveling around the country to just check all the different types of uh, educational curriculums. And I, I got, I took over this fourth grade special ed classroom after a month and a half of the school year because that first teacher couldn't really handle these kids. So I came in as the fill-in and uh, it was, wow, it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. It was, it was challenging. It was, I've never worked so hard in my life. Uh, and cut two, three months into the our school year after I got there, uh, we were doing a journal on the board. We just said the simple one, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my, one of my students raises his hands and I'm like, Yo, what's up? He said, Mr. M, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm only nine years old. How am I supposed to know what I'm going to be? <laughs> I, go, yeah. I looked at him. He's a really intelligent kid. And I was like, yeah, good point. I was like, good point. Okay, so anything you could do as of a nine-year-old today, right now, in this moment, you could choose any occupation whatsoever, what would it be? 
So I don't know, Mr. I'm like, come on, Kenny, you always talk about the crocodile hunter. Why don't you write about like working with reptiles? He's like, yeah, maybe. Okay, Mr. I'll write my paper. You tell me what you wanted to be when you were nine. I go, like, what? He said, tell me what you want to be when you were nine. I go, Kenny, just write your paper. I, go, I will, I swear. He's like, All right, fine. Um, oh, I probably would have wrote about Lee Majors, the fall guy. He, he was uh, running up buildings, jumping cars, getting into fights. You know what I mean? He's a Hollywood stuntman. You want to be a Hollywood stuntman? No, no, no. I'm going to teach you, write your paper. And then, like, I don't know, about a week went by and he comes up to me with a, some paper that he printed off the computer. I was like, what are you doing, man? You're not supposed to print anything off the computer without permission. What are you doing? He goes, just check it out, Mr. What is it? I look at him like, where'd you find this? He said, the internet, Mr. M. And it was a fun school application. And I was like, I go, he goes, you tell us to follow our dreams. Why'd you go follow yours? I go, get out of here. Oh, wow. So I throw it on the desk. I'm like, it's not, <laughs> like, I threw it on my school desk and I just didn't pay attention to it until, I don't know, maybe a week went by. And I was like, I was like, you know what? It's during the summer. Why don't you just go out there and wear some stores? You just go on an, an extreme adventure weekend i mean well a month i guess it was about a month yeah the school was about a little over a month and i was like you just go on an extreme like adventure and i was like yeah just do it so i called yeah i signed up for the school went that actually motivated me to go down to la moved down to la started doing background right away made 49 dollars for eight hours of work the first year <laughs> that was there that was non-union rate which was for me it was great just because i was making money but it wasn't something to be very sustainable. So then I started doing PA work, PA work for like three years. Then after three, four years of dabbling in that background PA work, I got my first stunt job uh, after training for the, all four of those years with stunt guys. You kind of get into a, a group and then, yeah, I got my first stunt job. That's when I let go of the PA work and, and only did stunts just with the motivation, like all you need is one job a month to pay for like your rent in the car and everything like that. So I slowly did that year for a couple of years. And then, then I kind of got lucky and found a double. <clears throat> and then the double like job kind of like that continued, that became a trend in my business. What, what do you mean when you say a double, you mean being a stunt double for a specific actor? Is that what you mean? Or Yeah. Like, so with, during all that time, I was hustling, trying to figure out how I was going to break into this business. Cause it's very challenging. And, uh, and a lot of it is relationships and a lot of it is generational. It's like their grandfather and their father and now their kid and their grandbaby. And so it's like, holy cow, how, why in the world is the guy going to hire me, 5'10", 160, as opposed to his son or his grandson? I mean, like, I mean, they're all, we all, like, I got to find some sort of niche on how to get in. And what I started noticing when I was hustling and doing the PAs, like, so you have the numbers on your call sheet and then after uh, for the cast and then after that they do the same numbers but with an x so like you have like one x which represents the number one stunt guy for the number one actor two x three x and so like i noticed the one x two x three x were not real relationships with the coordinators they were more very good doubles for the actors and actresses so i took my i was like oh my gosh that's that's the niche that's how i gotta get in i gotta i gotta look like someone who could I look like? So then I just started, I mean, this was a long time ago and I wasn't really good with the computer, but I was just, I was just making folders for any actor within like an inch or two of me and, um, and remotely look like me. And I was just putting pictures in folders. Then I'd go out and do photo shoots and just try to dress up like them and have a similar background and then send it to the stunt coordinator and be like, Hey, if you think I can be a good double, I'd love to work with you. 
Um, so that was my that was one of my many hustling tools that I used in order to get into the stunt business, and it worked. Once I got a stunt double, uh, my first one being Mark Ruffalo, uh, that was like that was a that was the beginning of a huge relationship because now it it's one of two things are going to happen: they're going to like you and continue to use you, or they're not going to like you and you probably won't ever get used by them again. Um, but it's just a matter of like relationships at that point. I felt pretty confident in my personal skills that I was like, once they get to know me, uh, I'm going to have a much better advantage of getting rehired. So how did you, how, what would you consider your big break into the stunt industry? Was it a certain project or was it even a certain, a certain stunt that kind of put you on the map within like your fellow peers or just, you know, around the industry in general? Oh, great question. Yeah. Andrew, it was a, the, the first big stunt uh, job was Flags of Our Fathers and Letters of Iwo Jima. Uh, uh, Buddy Van Horn, one of the best in our business. I, one of my biggest, like, yeah, role. I love Buddy Van Horn. He was a, he was Clint Eastwood stunt double and stunt coordinator. So you director for, oof, 50 plus, it's almost 60 years, I want to say. Um, and um, and he took us all out to Iceland to do a Clint Eastwood movie. And that was my first big gag where I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember being in Iceland and my buddy coming down to the business center and said, hey, we're going to like uh, the Blue Lagoon to drink some beer. You want to come? I go, he goes, he's like, what are you doing? Are you sending out headshots from Iceland for a job? I go, dude, if you ain't working while you're working, you ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> what was the gag? What was the, what was the big gag you were going to do? Oh, the big gag you asked about is something a different movie. Wow. Oh. It was this movie called Driving. Crazy. Then my buddy calls me up and goes, hey, we're going to do car hits and fire burns everywhere <laughs> on the movie. There are going to be tourist awards giving out left and right for this movie. You want to come out and play? Oh, the only thing is that I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I was like, no problem. But I was like, hey, for the guy who called me, I was like, absolutely, Johnny, anything for you. So we go out and we do this. I don't know if I want to give you the short version or the long version. Um, uh, the quick version is like, I didn't get a gag. A guy was getting instructions from the coordinator on what to do. And he did something really rude to the coordinator. Quickly looked at me and said, do you want to do this car at Fireburn? I said, yes, I do. He said, go get your Nomax on. I said, okay. So I run. I go get all suited up. They douse me in gasoline. They light the car on fire. And this particular guy, it was... um. Every, like, I could think of at least a dozen top-notch stunt coordinators were working on this gag because it had so much stuff on it. And then at least another two dozen great, unbelievably, now currently great stunt coordinators at the time, stunt people. And it was a solo, like, car hit where, no, it wasn't a solo. It was me and Brian Height. Brian hit the front hood and rolled off the hood. They wanted me to hit the hood, go over the windshield, off the top of the roof and off the back of the trunk. And like so, so you were getting hit. you were getting hit by the car. You weren't driving the car. Correct. Yeah, I'm gotcha, getting gotcha, hit. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, Oakley was driving the car. He was Nicholas Cage's double. I couldn't have gotten a better driver for my first car hit fireburn. I never at that point to my career, <laughs> never a car hit or a fireburn. Here I was doing them both at the same time, and um, and it was just like so much anticipation, and and they kind and then boom, and you know all the eyes are on you, and this is going to be a huge gag to talk about because so many people were witnessing it firsthand. So it just came out brilliantly. I mean, sometimes you hit them right and you just don't, it doesn't even hurt. And we did it in a one take. Very, very, I mean, I was like, 
I was thoroughly impressed. They were thoroughly impressed. I was impressed with myself. They were impressed. So like that gag, I know, got me a, a lot of, uh, uh, I'm not that I didn't already have it, but that one I know being with eyes being on that. Yeah, that one, that one definitely did not hurt me. That's for sure. So I'm, I'm curious, do stuntmen have specialties? I mean, is there a, you know, is there the guy that, that, you know, gets hit by the car or the guy, I mean, is it, does it work that way or is, or is that, is that, does it not work that way? Uh, it, unfortunately it does. Uh, you, as a, as a performer, you try, I mean, if you're smart, you try not to make it work that way unless exact, that's exactly what you want. Like some guys like, I only want to do cars. Okay, great. So that like, in that case, that's, that's a specialty. And then there's other guys that are like, I love doing fire. I'm the fire guy. I only want to do fire. Is it okay? I mean, and those are two jobs that make good money. I mean, but they just don't work a lot. They probably make up about the two of them combined together, maybe 10% of the stunts that we do on films. And then, um, and then there, there's other guys who are high fall guys, martial arts guys, special ops guys, gymnastic guys. Acrobatic parkour guys, circus guys, and then there's me, who I'm just kind of like a ground pounder. Um, <laughs> but but really, who I am, what I came to discover was like an amazing stunt double, and um and and a really a, a, a very quickly growing excellent actor, um and that's kind of that put me all of a sudden it really put me in a small circle once the acting jumped on board as as much as i had no desire to really do it and i just kept because i guess i just didn't want to be seen i love the thought of the magic of being a stuntman where you come and you bring so much life to something and yet they don't even see you. you're the magic you're the actual trick they don't see you it's like i'm like oh this is fantastic so wait you're telling me we can live a normal life but yet still have like onset experiences like actors and but yet not ever be seen being behind the the, the the man behind the clock. Yeah, like this is great. I love this. So I had no desire to leave it. But what ends up happening is what I didn't know is that like your body, <laughs> my God, my body, your body <laughs> eventually tells you, hey, figure something else out. <laughs> like, and so that's when I looking at this acting thing that everyone was like, man, you're really good at it. You should do it. You should do it. And I was like, you know what? They're like. I'd be a fool not to. So then I started looking at it. And then I just started getting very curious about it. Then I started seeing the potential behind it. And then I started seeing the mountain in front of me. I was like, oh my God, uh, I'm upset. Uh, like I'm very, I'm very much in right now. So I was, the, the passion uh, slowly and, and, uh, and, and momentously grew for acting. I've always wanted to ask this question since you, you know, both have experience as an actor and as a stuntman. When you see movies like John Wick or Drive, do you have more of an appreciation for them, uh, or are they even like something that you enjoy watching more? Or do you almost not like watching them because maybe they give you flashbacks to stunts you've done in the past? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, you know what? I find I, I find myself not that I don't watch them. So I guess I'm more intrigued by like a performance. And Anthony Hopkins, a Joaquin Phoenix scene, you know what I mean? That like that that moves me without them having to move. And I think that's something I'm trying to learn in my career as well. I'm really good at visually showing you how I want to do it, and I'm like, wait, it would be so much more powerful to sit in the chair 
and communicate and roll that like be your way of being and your way of like communicating in an, in an, in a way that they can understand it is going to be more challenging for me and yet I think it'll be more powerful so I, I would say as much as I, I what I really see is when I see the John Wicks and Tom Cruise and, and Joaquin Fee and Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg that when they do their action and acting stuff I'm just so impressed because it's like I know some of them it doesn't come natural others it does but like it's so hard to kinesthetically put on a performance yet all along. And Brad did it so brilliantly in this last one. David Leach is a genius director on uh, Bullet Train, how how he threaded in his his character into the fights with actually having pause, beautifully pause, rhythmic pauses throughout the fight to have like a scene, a dialogue scene. And he would, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what all the directors want. They can't stand it when there's like story and cut action sequence and cut and back to story. And like, those are just not, they just, they, that's one of their biggest pet peeves when I hear about, when I hear from all these big directors and they wanted to thread in seamlessly with the story and the action. So it, it's one beautiful piece. And I felt like they did a really good job on that in Bullet Chain with it as much action. Because sometimes it does feel that way. You're like, you have your, you have your action movie and then you have your, your actual theme movie, like the dramatic movie. And you don't want them to be separate in one movie. You want them to be kind of like beautifully stewed together. Oh, yeah. That brings me to like your transition in your career into becoming an actor. Do you think it was easier to transition to acting because you were already around film sets and on film sets? And, you know, what would you consider your big break when it comes to acting? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Like, I mean, with, with, with as frustrating as it was, as I was going through the process, like doing background and making someone that like PA and be like, oh, peonies to call it, like, just, and then like being like the little guy, but that's, what I when I saw guys going flying and I, and I was like so upset because I was comparing myself to everybody else. I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was this beautiful, gradual, slow like process. But you got so much experience in that process that maybe you avoided a lot of mistakes by seeing other people make mistakes and learning from their mistakes. And now you're very well seasoned to now that the opportunities here. I mean, now all of the the, the preparation has been done. So yeah, I think it definitely helped me with having all that onset experience for 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 acting, but there is nothing that prepares you for being in front of all these lights and these lenses and everyone going crazy. And then all of a sudden like, quiet on set and action. And you're like, oh my God. It's like, <laughs> every everybody's been working their asses off for this moment. I mean, to to film something, to film a moment in the film. And they've worked so hard, months and months. Some people, decades, because the writers have been doing these stories for decades and trying to get it made. And now it's all coming to this head where they say action. And it's just, it's me? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is nuts. This is nuts. But um, yeah, I think it definitely did help me with, long, long, uh, with the long answer that I gave you there. Well, that leads me to another question. Um, one of the things we chat about with actors uh, quite often is 
um, how they use their body. You know, and acting isn't just the dialogue, as you know, it's body language, it's how you walk, it's your posture, it's all those, you know, the business that you're doing with your hands, all of those things. So I'm curious, since you came from being a stuntman, which is very physical, how did being a stuntman uh, inform you as an actor how to use your body in this new way of of maybe a more a more subtle um, way of using your body versus being a stuntman? Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind was like uh, Robert Redford, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, when the guy's like, "Hey, shoot that tiger right there," and he said, "Just stand there and shoot the tiger." misses it and then he, he's like shoot it again misses it and then the guy goes yeah i'm not high he goes wait 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 can i move he's like what he goes can i move and shoot tight yeah and then butch just like jumps pow 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 flying in the air and just not just shoots it but shoots it off the thing and then shoots it up in the a second time in the air and then shoots it a third time and you're like what you're like wow and i feel like yeah that's i come from that i come from like a place of like i need to move i, I feel much more comfortable in my body and everything around me when I'm moving. So it, I love being able to do some movement for my 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 acting sequences because it just makes me feel a little more comfortable. I think it could be reversed if you come from the other side and you're like, oh wait, I gotta move in this scene, but I'm not very kinesthetically, maybe it's gonna be more challenging for me for them. But I find, yeah, it does. It definitely helps me. A lot of times when I but what's also flipped in the acting sense I try to get the set early, look at the environment. I go on set before everyone's even on there and just walk around and just like, and just take in the set and just take in the, everything, all the props and then start making up stories with the props and then, and then kind of make like, I, I know it sounds weird, but like have a relationship, like in the sense like, okay guys, I'm coming back in. This is a story I'm going to tell them like, and then let's, Let's dance. Like who, who just yell out if you want me to pick you up or, or do something. But sometimes I'll premeditate stuff in the sense like I remember there was a scene where I was like, hey, I'm going to hit the tambourines. Is that okay? And I never usually do that. And I and I advise most people not to do that. You have an idea in your head. Don't ask for permission in this business. Just just do it. And just ask for forgiveness afterwards. If they say, hey, 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 listen, you not hit the tambourines. You couldn't hear you. The sound was all messed up. But if you're smart enough and you've been on set enough, you know what time to hit tambourines. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I can't be doing this while I'm doing my dialogue. I got to take a breath here. Maybe this is the tripping spot. So I, you, yeah, I love doing that. I love going in and, and pre-choreographing. And, 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 and it all goes out the window once they get this sometimes because, oh, no, instead of shooting here, we're going to shoot over here. We shoot over there, shoot this. So, like, to me, it's more, it's more, beneficial for me to just create a relationship uh, as opposed to like premeditating something because if you premeditate something then you're number one it's hard to be authentic two it can all it, it, the camera and the lighting can all change or whatever it might be so then you're already attached to something you have to now you have to reattach to something else and let go of one thing and so to me it's just like get in there just get familiar with it like maybe create some stories have a relation, yeah, and then let it go. Just let it organically f come together on the on the on the moment. And so, when you're reading a script uh, for the first time, um, or the second or third time, as you're studying a character, do you look for opportunities 
you know, between the lines of what the character's saying and, and some of the action scenes to figure out some of this business you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always, I feel like the more levels you could go, the better, the, the more safety, the more the, the father you're going to fall with if you do slip. So I, I, I feel like, um, yeah, I do. I feel like when I'm reading a script for the first time, I mean, me personally, when I read a script for the first time, I just try not to think of anything between the lines. I just, I will get, I really just want to be somebody with a box of popcorn and just watching and like just getting completely like involved, submerged into this story. And, and, and then like, and then right away running, get my feedback. And then, then after that, then like a lot of times I'll go back and read it again and see like, let me, it's, I think it's after the third, fourth, fifth read that you, that's when you're starting to like, oh, you know what? This would be cool. Yeah. This would be, his dog was in the pot. And then you start making up in between the line stories like you're talking about. So I'm curious, kind of melding the acting world and the stunt world together. Do you find you, you, you prepare mentally and physically kind of the same for, let's say, a dangerous stunt or a very emotional scene acting-wise? Do you, do you find yourself in a similar headspace or similar in terms of how you prepare for those scenes? Great question. No, I, man, it's, they're so different. Oh, they're so different. <laughs> Crazy. Um, well, you know what? I guess there are some similarities as far as just like the homework. So something that was a really intense stud scene. Like I remember I did one on like what was it, jump twenty one Jump Street. You wanted me to lay down a bike, and I was like, "Why? Why do we lay down a motorcycle? I don't. I'm not a motorcycle guy. I mean, I can ride." He goes, "I know you can ride." He goes, "And I and I know you can do it." Like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. But but I'm there's so many other great guys out there like Rex Reddick. They call like there's so many other amazing motorcyclists. That, well, go get the other guy. And he's like, "No, nah, I want you to do it." And I was like. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. So I went out and studied it. And I mean, so like with something that's new like that, I, I went out and studied it. And I do that with some parts too. I go out and like, I mean, I just, I just love studying the characters and the scene and the story. But I think mentality wise, it's really different. Stunts, I feel like is a little bit more of a gift of mine. And I feel like acting, is a little bit more of like a desi- like something that I have to work harder at. Um, I really ha- and and I I see well at least my wife tells me too. She's like, "Good lord, another part!" Like you just get so dark when you study some of these roles, and it's like, and I'm like, and she goes, "And it's miserable to live with you when you do it." And I go, "I I get it. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that happens, but it's been." It's, and then for stunts, a big, big, like that big particular get, I don't think of, like, I mean, for me, it's like, it's just out of my, it just, it works so much better for me for stunts when it's just, I'm like, it's out of my mind until they are like rolling. I'm like, What's okay, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got this. I got this. Go. And I just do it. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, uh, but yeah, I don't feel like, I feel my experiences of preparing for Acting is very different than preparing for stunts. I feel like I work a lot harder, do a lot more work for the acting, kind of take a little more serious stunts. I feel like it's a little bit more fun and, and passion, easier. It just comes to me a little more natural. And I found a niche that like, I don't think too hard or too much about it. They go really well. No, yeah, that totally makes sense. 
Well, re- with regards to, uh, you know, the acting side of things, is there a particular genre that you prefer or a particular type of character that you like to play the most, or maybe, maybe one that you want to play that you haven't gotten the opportunity to play yet? Yeah. Yeah. Great questions, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I'm fi- I guess I've discovered, well, okay. To answer your first question, I am, yes, dark comedies. I, I, I just like it. It's something to do with Christmas that's almost kid like. And so it might not be that dark, but like, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I remember a couple of days ago, I thought about this when I was working on I was like, oh, yeah, I think a Christmas dark comedy. I love this. Let's, let's figure out how to do this. And I'm just, I'm ex- I think comedy is definitely something that gets me excited right now. Yeah, gets me excited. Do you do you recall like a moment of stage fright you've ever experienced either when it came to a stunt or uh, a a scene for acting? <laughs> yeah, two the two that pop up in my mind. Okay, wait, what was the stunt when I was? Oh yeah, Star Trek was just about what? And I don't know if you call it stage fright. <laughs> good lord, <laughs> this one was like good lord, good lord. That was yeah. I don't think I ever feared dying more often than on now those gags <laughs> but I, I remember at one well, point no, you have to you have to unpack that tell us about this this sounds interesting well it's just the, the gag tour on like an oil rig and it was a circular one out of space and like it was like they had these spikes all hanging out of it off the side off the edge of it and my first gag was yeah, I was coming, so we, we eject out of the Star Trek, we fly upside down, wow, that was absolutely miserable. Hanging upside down for three nights, for like eight and a half hours. Oh, wow. Breaks in between. Uh, I mean, might have been one of the most miserable, today, I would say it's top three most miserable stock gags. <laughs> uh, and the people were like, we'd come down off the crane, we were like, so Jeff, they're like, that looks so fine. Because like, <laughs> it wasn't like fast, it wasn't like, crazy stunts we're just like you're just a piece of meat and you, and you slowly come down and you, and you go back to one and you slowly come down and, go back and, you slowly come down, and then you just take a break but that wasn't the get it was, then there was another the one where i parachuted out i'm coming down oh my god what a disaster anyways like i it was 105 degrees out in the la's where was that dodger stadium parking lot they built these things and it was like Man, I I was new, kind of in the business. It was one of my first big gags. I had so many wires on me. I was in the spacesuit, couldn't see because the whole thing was fogged up. So you don't know really where you are. Depth is a complete disorientation. The sun is out. You have six wires hanging off you. One that's going to drop you down. One that's going to pull you forward, and then one that's going to ratchet you. There's a set for each one of those that's going to ratchet you off the stage. And it wasn't worth. They dropped me the first time by. I think I dropped 18 feet to the deck before we even did one gag. And then we did the gag about 38 times. And at the end, he goes, he I remember the last five, he was like, Your your feet, you're not, you're not, you're not catching yourself, you're falling. I'm like, Oh, are you sure? Maybe, maybe, because I don't know, because I'm in the pool of water in this suit. I can't see nothing. <laughs> and they're like, you guys already dropped me once. I broke. You thought you came running at me. Like, I broke my back. You're like, lay down. You broke your back. You're not going to. I didn't break my back. Probably broke my foot. But I, didn't, I still 
the pain in my foot from that gag still to this moment. Ah, it still hurts every day. Anyways, they <laughs> they they were both ratcheting me off. The final gag was they were gonna ratchet me off to go underneath to get burnt. And right before they ratcheted me, they I said, Hey, wait, 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 those spikes are supposed to be cushioned or or like or the padded, right? They look wood. And he's like, He's like, oh yeah, they did. They did say that. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's where I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit that spike right there, and like these wooden spikes hanging out of the thing. And and they were like, wait, hey, wait, time out, abort, abort. And my buddy, I'm like, what the hell? And they said, yeah, you don't think you can do it? They saying like it's going to be a long reset if we have to go and put all those into foam now. And I'm like what do you think? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think we should do it. I go, yeah, we should do it, man. Come on. You're <laughs> oh my God. So that one, I called out them. I said on set, like, Hey, you got to reset those. And sure enough, the very first ratchet. Oh my God. I've never been so scorpioned in my life. Like I hit it with my back. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure both my head and the feet hit the, the wood of the wall. And like, I bent over backwards and I let out this noise. And I think the guy said, I think we killed him. And I go, oh my God, if these things were not padded, I would have been skewed. I would have a spike right through. <laughs> I would be skewed. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, good thing you told me to cover those spikes. I go, oh my God, what am I doing? But yeah, that was <laughs> the stunt one. The, the, the acting one was, um, now you see me. And we were just walking through the scene we were walking with the directors and all the actors and, and I talked to Louie, the director, and I said, Hey, if you have any like one liners, I'm I'm comfortable doing it. He said, Yeah, okay. I'm gonna give it to you. So he gave me one. And everyone said their line. And then and this wasn't even rolling. This was just rehearsal. And they go, oh, okay. And Anthony. <laughs> He's like, Oh, uh, don't worry, we got it. We understand what you're trying to say. Okay, let's go, keep moving. And I was like, <laughs> couldn't even say it. I was so scared I couldn't even say it. I was like, <laughs> Is this going to happen when they roll? Holy crap, please don't let this happen when it rolls. And like that was like, yeah, that was one of my first acting like, gags where I actually was like looking to act. Yeah. That's I was like, funny. ask for it. Now you can't even speak. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. What about uh, young actors coming up? Do you have any advice for uh, for those those folks? Oh, yeah, man. Take a risk. They just, it doesn't have to be huge ones. Just, just if it is, if you see something and you instinctually feel like you want to do it, even though you want, just do it. Just take a risk. Well, Anthony, that's great advice, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of young actors, you know, need to know that they need to know to take risks, and I think that's uh, you know that's smart. And obviously, the risks you've taken have paid off well. You're doing doing a lot of work. You're staying really busy. This has been a fun conversation. We've really really enjoyed having you on the show. I mean, I appreciate being here, and I thank you guys for taking the time to like. Yeah, sharing that and connect. That sounds great. And keep us posted on your work, and uh, we'll circle back uh, in the future and have you on the show again. And uh, uh, like I said earlier, before we started the show, if you're down Austin Way, you look me up. Yep, or Chicago. Uh, they, I will, man. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you guys. You guys have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez. Our theme music was composed by the international man of mystery, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.